Welcome. With the elections coming up in this episode of How We Got Here, we are going to look at the Electoral College, primary elections, and Super Tuesday. Every four years is a presidential election, as specified in the U.S. Constitution, Article 2, Section 1. The president is elected by electors who cast electoral votes. This is called the Electoral College. Each state gets as many electoral votes as they have congressmen and senators. The motivation for the Electoral College was to prevent the states with large populations from determining who the president would be with no regard for the smaller states. In 1961, the 23rd Amendment gave Washington, D.C. electoral votes. Today, there are 538 electors. The winner needs to get at least 270 electoral votes. Originally, electors had some flexibility as to who they could vote for, but today 99% of them are pledged to vote as the majority of their state decides. Each state determines how their presidential electors are to be chosen. There have been three notable methods of choosing electors. The original was each congressional district got to choose its own electors. Second, the state legislatures would choose the electors. And third, statewide elections are held, letting the popular vote determine the electors. Today, most states hold statewide elections, and whichever candidate receives the largest number of votes determines who the electors are bound to vote for. Nebraska and Maine have hybrid methods where some of their electors are chosen by congressional districts, some by the state legislature, and somewhat by statewide election. Originally, the presidential candidate who receives the most electoral votes became the president, and the person who received the second most electoral votes became the vice president. In 1789, George Washington received 69 electoral votes and John Adams 34, resulting in Washington being the first president and Adams being vice president. In 1792, both were re-elected, with Washington receiving 132 electoral votes and Adams receiving 77. When George Washington announced he would not seek a third term, campaigning for presidency began between the two emerging political parties, the Federalist Party and the Democrat-Republican Party. The Federalist Party, to which John Adams and Alexander Hamilton belonged, wanted a stronger centralized government so America could have a navy to defend against foreign attacks, protect the borders, and have a stable currency to encourage foreign trade. The Democrat-Republican Party, to which Thomas Jefferson and Aaron Burr belonged, wanted a weaker central government 
so the country would not experience the abuses they had under King George III. Political parties created nominating conventions to determine who their candidates would be. George Washington foresaw this rising two-party system and warned in his farewell address, September 19, 1796, I have already intimated to you the danger of parties. This spirit, unfortunately, is inseparable from our nature, having its roots in the strongest passions of the human mind. It exists in all governments, but in those of the popular form, it is seen in its greatest rankness and is truly their worst enemy. Domination of one faction over another, sharpened by the spirit of revenge, natural to party dissension, has perpetrated the most horrid enormities, is itself a frightful despotism. Washington continued, but this leads at length to a more formal and permanent despotism. The disorders and miseries, ill-founded jealousies and false alarms kindles the animosity of one part against another. Washington warned that party passions would become a door by which foreign governments and globalists could carry out a divide-and-conquer tactic and seize control of the country. For example, a foreign country would offer to help one party defeat the other. But once that party received their money, that party would essentially be receiving a bribe. Exodus 23.8 warned, Do not take a bribe because a bribe blinds the sighted and perverts the words of the just. Ecclesiastes 7.7 explained, a bribe corrupts the heart. George Washington continued, political animosity opens the doors to foreign influence and corruption, which finds a facilitated access to the government itself through the channels of party passions. Thus, the policy and the will of one country are subjected to the policy and will of another. Tis folly in one nation to look for disinterested favors from another. It must pay with a portion of its independence for whatever it may accept. In 1796, Federalist Party candidate John Adams became the second president receiving 71 electoral votes, and his chief opponent, the Democrat-Republican Party candidate, Thomas Jefferson, became vice president with 69 votes. Though the two of them worked together during the revolution, they had become political opponents afterwards, with Adams wanting a strong federal government to discourage foreign attacks, and Jefferson wanting a weak federal government to discourage big government abuse of power. Then came the election of 1800. The Democrat-Republican candidates, Thomas Jefferson and Aaron Burr, defeated Adams. But when the electoral votes were counted, Jefferson and Burr received the exact same number of electoral votes, 73 each. Everyone expected Aaron Burr to defer to Jefferson. 
but Burr kept stalling so he could clandestinely maneuver behind the scenes to get an elector to switch so he could be the president. Though Alexander Hamilton had opposed Jefferson in the past, Hamilton distrusted Burr so much that he persuaded electors to switch the other way, changing their electoral votes from Burr to Jefferson. This resulted in Thomas Jefferson being the third president and Aaron Burr his vice president. Jefferson never trusted Burr and excluded him from meetings. Burr hated Hamilton so much that he later killed Hamilton in a duel. To prevent the Aaron Burr situation from happening again, the 12th Amendment was passed in 1803, where the vice president and president would run together as a ticket, with electors casting separate votes for each. Because of Burr's efforts to sway electoral votes, states came up with the idea of locking in electoral votes with a winner-take-all method. Whoever won the majority of the statewide vote, even if by the smallest margin, would automatically get all the electoral votes for the entire state. State political party leaders liked this as it took power away from the rural congressional districts and concentrated power in the hands of politicians in the state legislatures or in the statewide elections, which could be swayed by big-name state party leaders. The problem with winner-take-all electoral votes is it effectively took away the voice of rural congressional districts who may have wanted another candidate. Jefferson would have won the earlier 1796 presidential election had Virginia used the winner-take-all method. Jefferson wrote, All agree that an election by districts would be best if it could be general. But while 10 states choose either by their legislature or a general ticket, it is folly or worse than folly for the six other not to do it. By 1812, most states used winner-take-all method, with their state legislatures choosing electors for the entire state. 1820 was the last election in which state legislatures played a major role as statewide elections gained popularity in choosing winner-take-all electors. James Madison saw the winner-take-all method as dangerous as it concentrated power in big city political machines and denied rural congressional districts a voice in choosing who their presidential electors would be. Madison proposed an amendment to the Constitution. The district mode was mostly, if not exclusively, in view when the Constitution was framed and adopted and was exchanged for the general ticket and the legislative election as the only expedient for baffling the policy of the particular states which had set the example. In 1824, twice as many states used the statewide elections instead of state legislatures in choosing their winner-take-all electors. Andrew Jackson sided with James Madison to ditch the winner-take-all method and return to the original concept 
of allowing each congressional district to choose their own electors. Unfortunately, the political parties in the big cities in each state had accumulated so much power that they did not want to relinquish it to the grassroots. Every presidential election from 1924 on saw the statewide election of winner take all. In 1836, only South Carolina still had its state legislature choose the winner-take-all electors. In 1872, every state held a statewide election in which the winner-take-all method of choosing electors who would cast their electoral vote for the president and vice president. Colorado entered the union in 1876 and was the last state to have its electors chosen by the state legislature. The two major political parties in America devolved into the Democrat and the Republican parties, with third parties having no practical way of winning, but capable of drawing away protest votes from one or the other candidates. Parties chose their candidates with caucuses, these were internal party meetings of active members to nominate candidates. The early 19th century, progressive movement came along, which sought to take the process of nominating candidates away from insider party leaders altogether by having citizens vote in primary elections. This did not work out the way they had thought, as ultimately, it was still the party leaders who had control of whose names would be printed on the ballots. There are several types of primaries, the most notable of which are closed primaries, which verified that voters were actually members of their party before they were allowed to vote for party candidates, semi-closed primaries, allowed party members and unaffiliated voters to participate, open primaries or pick a party primaries, allowed anyone to cast to vote, even members of the opposing party who wanted to influence the primary outcome by selecting the weakest candidate. Blanket primaries where regardless of party, the top two candidates advanced to the statewide general election. In some states, primary voters have to register as members of the party in advance of the election. Other states allow same-day registration. Some states allow vote by mail, which has been challenged as unverifiable. Since states do not share voting databases, there are multiple voter fraud scenarios. For example, a student away at college in a different state could vote and then drive to their home state and illegally vote again. During the Jim Crow era of racial intolerance in the South, Democrat party leaders discriminated against black candidates and black voters by holding white primaries. The Supreme Court outlawed this in the 1944 case of Smith versus Allwright. States get to set the date of their primary elections. Iowa and New Hampshire gained notoriety by having the first of the election season, followed by Nevada, the U.S. Virgin Islands, South Carolina, and Michigan. These primaries have the potential of tilting 
public opinion in favor of one candidate or another, affecting the subsequent primaries of other states. Super Tuesday in the 2024 election cycle is March 5th. It is the day when 15 states and one U.S. territory hold party nominating contests. It is the day when more than a third of the delegates, 874, will be assigned to July's Republican National Convention in Milwaukee. In the Republican contest, a total of 2,429 delegates will be sent to the Republican Convention in Milwaukee, where a majority, 1,215 delegates, will nominate the Republican presidential candidate. A third of the Democrat Party delegates will also be chosen on Super Tuesday. In 1832, Noah Webster wrote in his History of the United States, when you become entitled to exercise the right of voting for public officers, let it be impressed on your mind that God commands you to choose for rulers just men who will rule in the fear of God. The preservation of a Republican government depends on the faithful discharge of this duty. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of How We Got Here on Electoral Votes, Primary Elections, and Super Tuesday. God bless you.